0: Hey, Profs. Welcome on in. My name's Rob Lightfoot, proud two-time alum at Rick Edelman College of Communication, Class of 2000-2001. This is Beyond the Brown and Gold.
1: I'm Jessica Kennedy. I'm the co-host here, also a two-time proud Rowan alum, Class of 2008 from the Rick Edelman College of Communication and Creative Arts, and 2015 from the College of Education. Thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Beyond the Brown and Gold, a show that highlights the lives and memories of Glassboro State and Rowan University alumni. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Lightfoot and Jessica Kennedy.
1: On today's show, we have a very special guest. We have one of our golden profs, Dr. Peter B. Contini.
0: I'm actually... Tired of listening to all that he does. He's pretty active. <laughs> no, he's guy's pretty active all these years. He's done more in his lifetime than than a lot of people.
1: I know lots of history. the The most notable thing, definitely, is he was the longest serving president. Of Salem Community College, so he was there for fifteen years, which we talk about in depth. We talk a lot about um, what brought him into education and kind of his arc into getting that position, and you can tell he just has a passion for it.
0: Yeah, education, but also the community and kind of how he's connected to so many people in the area here. So,
1: yeah. So Pete's Pete's amazing. He has won the Distinguished Alum Award last time. He was our Lifetime Service Award winner. He serves on the Golden Profs reunion committee, so he's very engaged. But One of the fun things we talk about, too, is all of the names that you see on campus um, on the buildings. Pete, Pete knows them and Howie knows them. So a long history of his time here. All right, Pete, take us back to your time in high school. Where were you living? We are going far back then. Hey, that's not nice. No, no. (laughs) Can I
0: go before high school?
1: Good. So we're going back to high school. Yes. Where were you living at the time? How did you know of Glassboro State? How would you get here?
2: It's an interesting story because uh, I was at Holy Spirit High School in high school. I went to St. James. I'd always been a parochial school kid. Was in college prep classes, but had no anticipation that I'd be going to college. No one in the family had ever gone. I had one cousin that attended Glassboro State after he went in the service. Talked to him occasionally about it, but I uh, was going to go to work. So I graduated, uh, went to work, and was working about uh, sixty hours a week for a, a local grocery store, and Monday Monday through. Uh, Saturday. And then on the side, my parents were food caterers. And so anytime there was a big job or something that, you know, I was involved in that. Well, I did that for about six months. And uh, I said to my mom and dad, I said, uh, this just isn't going to make it. I had friends that went away to college. Uh, one of my best friends whose mother was like a second mother to me. Every time I saw her, she said, so when are you going to college? Aww. And uh, so I I never had an answer. And I said, you know, "Finally." Um, I said to mom and dad, I said, listen, there isn't enough for me to be busy with you all the time. I'm going to have to keep working. And I just don't see this for me for the rest of my life, this mm. type of work. And so I said, I'm, I'm going to make two choices. I'm going to either go in the Navy because my brother was just getting ready to go in the Air Force. He was my older brother. I said, if, if there's a chance, I, maybe I'll go to college, but I'll go somewhere where I'll be available to you. So if, I, you, know, if you have a job and you need me, um, you know, close by. Well, there were no community colleges. Uh, there, the, the, the push for community colleges didn't start until about 1963. There were a few statewide and parts of the state, but not operational under the umbrella. So where else? Well, oh, Glassboro, Glassboro State. But that's a teacher's college. And, and I said, well, I don't know if I want to be a teacher. What's well, close by gives me a start. I'll find out, you know, if I really want to go to college because maybe because I, I was OK as a student. I certainly wasn't any great, uh, you know, scholar, but I went to high school to play basketball. Okay. And that's basically, you know, and I played basketball year round and other sports in season, but basketball was our life at that time. And so I did it. I uh, applied and I came up here to take a test cause I had never taken the SATs cause I had no, no, no anticipation of going to college. And I remember going to Amy, I Pete uh, and taking a test in a large room and God knows how I did, but somehow luck of the draw, I ended up, uh, getting accepted for the following fall. So I was out of college, out of high school rather for a year before I started college, but I was young for my class. So I was still only going, going in as an 18 year old. So it worked out pretty well. And of course, uh, at that time, this was predominantly a female school. I mean, it was, it was, it was a, a ratio. I don't know what it was. It was probably like three to one. And, uh, but the, the classes started, and it was a balancing act for me. I was really challenged because this time it counts. You're paying for it, number one, but more or less, it's going to be your direction of life, possibly. I had some professors that were really pretty tough. My English professor uh, was really difficult because, for me. And, but, you know, I look back now, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. I got a lot of red on papers. <laughs> but...
0: Uh,
1: I had but a professor they, like that. Yeah, she was but, one of my and, favorites.
2: Uh, and he was, he was a difficult guy to talk to, but he really knew his stuff, and I you know, learned to appreciate it. And probably the most informative thing that happened to me was a course called HB&D, Human Behavior and Development. Horace Keller was, the, was a professor. It's so funny how you remember some names real easy. And the major piece of that was not only reading about developmental aspects of kids, but to, uh, to go into a classroom and observe a child without them knowing. And you did that over a period of weeks, once a, you know, once a week maybe for an hour. And I happened to be assigned to James Mason Tomlin School, JMT, in in Mantua, and it was a fifth grade. And I just picked out randomly, picked out a kid. He looked like he was kind of like shy and so forth. And I watched him, and it would be it was the first time in my life I had ever been in a public school classroom because I spent my whole life in, in Brokiel who had a different. Uh, Know, organizational structure I'll put it that way uh, I had nuns from the from Wisconsin who were very tough and yeah and first through eighth and then the mercies and the Holy Spirit and you didn't do a lot of fooling around. I mean, you might do it outside, but not in, in the classroom. Wasn't so it al-
1: wasn't permitted. No, it
2: wasn't <laughs> permitted. And plus the worst part was that if they reported to your mom or dad, then that it was, was even worse, Oh right? my gosh, that was worse <laughs> punishment than what you were going to get. So, but what, what it did, it opened up my eyes to the classroom, the classroom, the organization, the interaction, uh, the kids going out to the playground, you know, all the other kinds of things that you see that I was really not that attuned to. And I said, you know, I think I could fit this, this you know, because I enjoyed uh, the interaction. So it kind of changed my attitude about why am I doing this over a period of time. And uh, and then at the same time, uh, we were not uh, rich. And so I had to work. And so I worked in the, uh, to get my food, I worked in the dishroom. And over the period of the years that I did that over here in Amy IP. I became a head waiter. I used to run events. I used to set up for the for the faculty. I used to go to the president's office and Dr. Robinson's office and got to know Edie Houston, who was who was the administrative assistant at the time. And so you you kind of begin to see people in a different way, not just in a classroom environment, the administration and that sort of thing. And then I met, I guess, my beginning of my freshman year, I met a, a woman by the name of Ruth Mancuso, who. Her husband was a faculty member here, but Ruth was the uh, vice president of the board of education in Glassboro and the chair of the board, state board of education. And she was the connection. She was the director of the Gloucester County Film Library, called it, as well as the Camden County. And so I started working for her. I worked for her for seven years: my four years of high school and then three years of teaching part time. And she was a mentor, and she was tough, but she was really really very helpful. So, and she kind of guided, uh, you know, the things that you were doing in terms of what was important. And, uh, you know, at the same time, I went to play basketball. So I played two years, but uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't to be a full-time thing. And it was involved because I still was running down Atlantic City or Ventnor, Margate to, to do catering jobs. So you had to balance all this in life. And at the same time, uh, you know, you got a social life. And the story I I told the other day was that uh, in this very building, not this wing, I guess, in this very building, there was an all-purpose room. And I was a sophomore, big man on campus, I thought. And uh, and there was this little gal on the dance floor at... uh, and I'll, I won't go into the background of what was happening at that moment, but I turned around. She doesn't around, like it. Uh, turned, <laughs> she what? I, I, she only
1: lets uh, him tell some of the story. Yeah. Oh. So, so
2: the, the, the the fact of the matter is is that I spotted her, turned around, and said, hey, would you like to dance? And she said yes. I danced with her the rest of the night. She was living in a townhouse and over there at the Look cross, at this. Loving oh, Hall. Prof yeah and uh, prof I uh, the upshot is uh, took her home and that's it we've been together all you know, we'll be uh, 50 i guess 57 years wow. in june so and then fast forward another year under a, an oak tree outside of Evergreen, I proposed. And she said yes. You so proposed
1: while you were a
0: student?
2: Yeah. I graduated in 1966 on June 4th, I think it was. And we were married on June 18th. She still had a year to go. And wow. we were only going to stay here for one year. And then we said, you know what? I might as well, geez, while she's going to college, I'll, I'll start back on my master's. And that's how it started. It just evolved. And, and 49 years later, we were still living up
0: here. There's a lot to t- unpack here. <laughs> so what? What, hey, what did your friends... At school, think about this. It was a
1: common that for that time that people got married when they were, yeah,
0: it was. And little, your parents little, too. Like, what was that thought? Well,
2: that's an interesting story to itself. Uh, at the end of her freshman year, uh, we were, you know, by then dating. You know, and she had met my family. I'd been to her house several times and so forth. And uh, being the shore community, we said, well, "Why don't you come live at the shore and be a waitress? You know, it can also help." with the Contini caterers too. And, uh, <laughs> we can hire the, you. <laughs> the upshot is that, believe it or not, uh, her mom and dad said yes, which, uh, and I think part of that was my mom wrote a letter to her mom. Ugh. And, uh, as a, a result, letter. isn't that wild?
0: And, yeah, and so neat.
2: believe it or not in the, the summer that would have been summer of 1964, she lived in my house with my family and worked at Repetti's and Ventner, which is no longer there, but, uh, as a restaurant. And, uh, and that's why it continued. And so we've, you know, we've been in each other's life, uh, continually since, uh, basically the, f- the fall of 1963. So it's, uh, and she's, uh, she was a master teacher. She came here as an art major. She graduated, ended up becoming an elementary teacher, came back here, got certified as a social worker and also wow. a school, a and was school she living on campus? Uh, she lived on campus just one year. She lived the first year off campus in, over on, I think it's called Clearview Avenue. And then she was in um, Evergreen she lived in. I lived that year in Mullica, but the first two years I lived on University Boulevard. And I, I often say it, was, it wasn't quite uh, yeah, Animal House, but it was good, it was a good group.
0: <laughs> now, those are the uh, stories,
2: Pete, yeah. Yeah. Want. Can yeah. we go
1: back to you telling your parents that you wanted to kind of like leave the family business and that go to tough. college? What yeah. was that like?
2: It was difficult because... Uh, they kind of viewed that as your legacy a little bit. The good news for me was my brother had broken that ice a little bit because he was, he was moving along too and decided to go into the air force. And so, And he had a side, he was working for a milk company and so forth. So it was, it was tough because they kind of relied on us to mostly for the brunt, uh, the brunt work, you know, carrying, because catering was difficult back then. It was a lot of moving tables and chairs and China and setting up in different halls and so forth, uh, you know, not necessarily located in one place, but to be very blunt with you, uh, my whole attitude toward work was from them. Their work ethic was unbelievable. They were married at 17 and 19, uh, products of the depression, wow. uh, worked hard, never finished high school. There was no expectation. I have to tell you, the, the I mentioned her name before, Mrs. Gowdy, who was my, I called her my second mom. Uh, she's the only one who really ever asked me about how I was doing in school because it wasn't that important as long yeah. as you didn't get in trouble, as long as you passed, as long as you went to school and as long as you did the things you wanted to do, which was, which I wanted to do was to to play basketball and baseball and things like that. Uh, we were, we, you know, we we're good. My family was very close, but we also had our, what I call areas of responsibility. And mm-hmm. so, uh, it was, it was a little difficult at first making that decision. And then gradually, and I, until I was 25, till I got my first full-time administrative job, I would still go down and work. And uh, Betty would. We'd bring kids from college with us. We had a major event, like a 500-people dinner. We'd bring friends from college, you know, to work. And <laughs> Free when we, workforce yeah, they had and, with all
1: the Glassboro yeah. State College kids. And when we got
2: married, we had about 300 people at our wedding reception oh my at gosh. St. James. And I'd say about maybe 70 or 80 of them were college friends. Wow. I, we get a kick out of looking at the pictures for the th- tossing of the uh, the um, uh, what's the, garter? It, the garter and mm-hmm. the, the bouquet because we, all these pictures of people who, who are now married or maybe married several times, but are now <laughs> no, long, no longer. Garter yeah, yeah, uh, was very lucky. Yeah, you know, it's changed. And unfortunately, we also see people that we don't see anymore, which is unfortunate, mm-hmm. too. But, you know, this was a different place than obviously. None of the reason was proximity. We had probably... I, I wouldn't, I don't know the number percentage. We had a lot of commuters. We had a lot of students who lived locally or just here during the day. And then we had a lot of students that were resident students, either through the dorms or through house approved housing, which was a whole nother issue at the time. And uh, they, you know, they would, many of them would go home on the weekends. And so when you were here yeah. for a weekend and, and I was working at that time and, you know, with, with the food service, we had great meals here. We, we'd, yeah, we'd have lobster tail. We'd have steak on the I grill. Know, I can tell you I never had and, uh, lobster tail. No, I we, never uh, I had
0: a lot of pizza. Yeah. Either,
2: yeah, right. yeah. Of pizza. But what, what I'm saying is the environment was yeah. it was a lot different. And of course, as I said, the ratio was you know Good. obviously a, you know pretty significant.
1: You have a, a rich professional history. Yeah. Perhaps the most notable thing is that you were the longest serving president in the 50-year history of Salem Community College. Tell us about how you got there and what that uh, position was like for you.
2: It was interesting how it, how it came about. Uh, as county superintendent of Gloucester County, I served on that board of, uh, of trustees for 14 years. That's a statutory thing. The county superintendent is automatically on the board. And so I was there watching Gloucester County, which is now Rowan of South Jersey, growing. And, uh, and we had a little conflict uh, that was going on at one time with some leadership issues. And so they turned to me as kind of the neutral party. And so I became the chairman of the board for a period of time. And I got to see a little bit beyond the scenes. And I said to Betty one night, I said, you know, if the right opportunity ever came along, I I think I'd really like to get involved with a community college in in an administrative way. And I wasn't sure what that would be. And so uh, I went on from from uh, the board of trustees in 1994. I went to Trenton and I was assistant commissioner of education. And that's a whole nother life uh, <laughs> that we can talk about. But in that course of that time, I've made a lot of contacts, you know, obviously around the state and I got a call one day and someone said, uh, there's a change going on at Salem community college. Uh, there was some you know, trouble and they're, they're not even sure if they should exist as a college. And uh, they said, uh, would you consider applying? So I did, I applied and fortunately I, I was appointed to the job. And I have to tell you, it was a tough time. It was declining enrollments, reduction in uh, you know, money and so forth. And the question was, should they really exist? So I told the board, frankly, at, a, at the interview, I said, listen, I'm looking for an opportunity. I'd like to leave a mark somewhere. And more importantly, I'm going to tell you for sure if you should exist or not. Mm-hmm. And maybe you should merge. Maybe you should become part of another another college organization, but let's find out. Let's, let's live this together. And so, uh, and also we want to take a look at how you guys are op- actually operating. And so I'm big planner. I, I belong, you know, whether you call them long range plans, strategic plans, wherever I've been, that's been the way I've op- approached things and not, not what I call regulatory, uh, you know, uh, uh, planning to satisfy, you know, do, do you have a strategic plan? No, let's do it for for real. And so that's what we did. And one of the things we re- learned real fast was y- you have to carve out a niche. And so we had some unique programs that no one else had. We had this glass program that some people had heard of, but no, didn't know about it. We had a lot of health programs that we could operate uh that no one was running right then lpn to an rn program that sort of thing and so we did and so over a period of time and then things like i got involved at the state level brought revenue sources to the, the the college that they had never had before and uh and then a thing called nj stars was created i, I was involved at that at the time me set it up and our enrollment doubled almost uh, you know like 55 60 percent we were we were mm-hmm. growing so it guess what? They're still there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it and it also, I went there for three to five years, I thought to be very <laughs> long, long with
0: you. Yeah. <laughs> you and, stay I stayed, a
2: long. and I stayed almost 15. So it was it um, it was it was a, really a, a place where you could try things and also understand that people really had a pride. Uh, the uniqueness of Salem County in some ways is that it's almost like a big town. And so if you're involved with the United Way or the chamber of commerce, then you know, everybody yeah. Yeah. and you get, you get to have a linkage and, and we created an environment where the college was a hub of activity, whether it be, uh, it, it, you know, things as much as just uh, a social event, like a, like a gala or, or bringing in speakers and an and international flame working conference, things like that, that brought attention to the college in a positive way. So it was a great experience for me. And I, I left it, you know, in a position where I felt, if they want to, they can continue to grow. And uh, Mike Gorman's there now. Mike does a great job. There, you know, obviously there's a lot going on around in community colleges with the mergers and so forth. But we'll see what happens. But the people in Salem County uh, were were just very good to work with, and some very solid in terms of what they're that you know, what they wanted to see for their students and so, the community.
0: Uh, in that same vein, I guess. If you're looking at like teachable moments and yep. you're a planner and such like that, so other folks can maybe draw on your experience. Can you talk about a how you succeeded in that from like a more 30,000 foot view as far as collaborating with folks and some leadership yes. styles that they can maybe pull from your experience.
2: Well, there's a number of them that I'm very proud of. Uh, when I was Gloucester County superintendent of schools, one of the things we were having was some cha- challenges with special education and uh, you know, the acceptance of it in some communities, uh, programmatic opportunities and so forth. And so uh, I put together a plan that, that working with the freeholders at the time, now com- County commissioners, Uh, to create a special services school district. And uh, there were some in the state, some were successful, some weren't that successful. But today I'm proud to say that it's still there. It merged with the vocational school, which I was on that board. And when we moved from, uh, calling, it's still Gloucester County uh, Vocational Technical School District, but GCIT now is, and I was there when that was created. And we we used that as as a marker for, uh, you know, getting over some, because I had been also a principal of a vocational school. And I was familiar with the whole Vokey mentality. Yeah. You know, when you can't do, you go to the Vogue school, you know, and that sort of thing. Well, guess what? A well-trained vocational occupational person has a great life if they want and those to. Job, and, job, and, and those
1: jobs are not going and and anywhere. They're not going anywhere. And, and, yeah. and,
2: and so there were you know, a lot. So I was real proud of that type of approach, looking at, at ways. And then with the college, I it, it, particularly with, with Salem, Uh, we use strategic planning as a way of of gaining relationship building and how you uh, work uh, workforce development and and working with companies, whether it be PSE&G, DuPont, which has now obviously been merged several times. But taking the best of those situations and building around the strategic ways in which they could help you and at the same time, whether it be nuclear engineering programs that yep. we have had, and they still do, uh, the sustainable energy one didn't you know, didn't go as strong as we thought it would, but there's another, but we were able to get federal grants to help bring that in. We also, um, you know, one of the things that we were really concerned about, and I think most community colleges are, and I was heavily involved in transfer, getting the award of credit from community colleges to four-year colleges accepted, and one of the reasons is that- well, are they as rigorous? Or are they as strong? What about the students? Uh, so many community college students come ill prepared for college level work, and so how do you build that framework around students being able to handle the rigors of of a 100 level course that might be taught at a four year college versus at a community college? And so we uh, were recipients of uh, I think about 1.8 million dollars to create an environment where those kids that were in neat students, and I say kids, they could have been 40 years old, uh, were coming ill-prepared. And, uh, and so it, a lot of it was not only what was going on in the classroom, but what kind of support we could give them outside the classroom and learning labs and things like that. So that was another area that we, that I really felt was a, it was a benefit to the community. And more importantly, you see such success from people. I mean, it. It's not uncommon at community colleges to go to commencement. If you haven't been to one, go go. Uh, because they are, they are so emotional because you got people who never thought they'd ever Ever get there. there. I mean, I've been on the stage at commencements that I had three levels of the same family, the grandmother, the mother and the child and the the daughter, granddaughter all graduating at the same time or around the same time. So, I mean, it's, it's that kind of thing. And then also, you know, talk to people about how do those students that go transfer in as juniors do in performance wise, guess what? They do pretty well mm-hmm. because most of the time they're more mature and they've been focused. So it's another way, but that, you know, that, that again leads then how do you articulate that with a four year college that you're, that you're trying to work with? And, you know, we took great pride in Rowan being.
0: And, ob- yeah, and, and obviously Rowan's evolution through their relationships now with exactly. the college system is so huge. Yep. And even President Hushman's leadership in the way of, really encouraging practical application yep. skills yep. for people to adopt those absolutely yeah
1: so you're a busy guy you've always been a busy guy though you've had a rich career yeah. you've volunteered a lot so mm-hmm. what do you do do you have spare time <laughs> and <laughs> doesn't sound like it no it doesn't and what do you do in your spare time or what what kinds of things did you do in your spare time when your kids were growing up yep. and when you were spending time with betty
0: well
2: basically we're you know, we love to travel so we do we do some traveling we, uh, nationally, internationally, internationally, both. we just, okay. we just signed up for a trip on the Danube. We're going to do been that. There. Uh, we we, we love New England. Is, we that near, prob-
0: it, is Danube near Pittman? Is that what? No, it's, <laughs> it's,
2: it's it's actually, we're going to hit five different countries on this trip. But wow. anyway, uh, we also have a, you know, a goal we created maybe about eight years ago of going to all 50 States. Uh, we're now down as of this fall, we're down to one. We're Where do you still have left to go? North Dakota, okay. and we don't know what will draw us to North Dakota. <laughs> but, uh,
1: Just the fact that you haven't yeah, been. Yeah, we, we haven't we been. We got to find
0: something yeah. in North Dakota. We could yeah. probably yeah. ask Gina.
1: Yeah. Gina, no,
0: yes, yeah. that might our be alumni, one of hers on her list.
1: Yeah, our alumni board president, same. Um, she is. I think she said by her 45th I'm, birthday, she's trying to hit all 50 states and she only has three left.
0: I'm going to quick yeah. Google what's in North Dakota so I uh, can go see
2: Well, far, Fargo. <laughs> okay, <I'll> Fargo. <laughs> is That's about it. But uh, matter of fact, Betty and I were in Scotland um, a couple of years, a few years back on my 75th birthday as a, a gift that I wanted to, um, I, I like to play tennis. I'm not that great, but I love it. And one of my bucket lists was to go to Wimbledon. And so we went to Wimbledon as a family. Betty and I did an eight day Scotland tour first, and then we took the train down and met in London. And we had the you know, all three grandkids: my son, the daughter-in-law, and, and the whole. The whole. It was great. It That's was a great, great tour. Experience. I've done.
0: Derek and I did that. Yeah. You did great tour.
2: We loved that. We did one up into uh, New England with all the kids and Airbnb and down the down to the lighthouse, gone down to the, down to the docks and picked the lobsters right out of the water. You know all that type of thing. It, it's it's an important thing. So that we get great joy at that, and of course it changed. I mean, I. We had friends that had grandkids before we did. And we used to say, hey, you know, guys, you want to just stop with the grandkids. We're so, you know, we've had enough of that. Well, we, our oldest is now going to be 17 uh, next month. And uh, I remember they were living in Woodbury and Betty and I babysat. So Chris and Nikki could get out for the night. And she, Ellie was about six months old and we're backing out of the driveway on, on Delaware Avenue there. And, and I, and I stopped the car and I said to Betty, I have to tell you something. I don't ever remember loving my own this much, oh. and so that's the way you get. It. You know, it's a whole different. See, this feeling. is why I cry when he. It's a whole different feeling. I
0: might start crying.
2: Yeah, we uh, we eat a lot. That's the uh, I love the European yeah. travel. Though. Yeah, like the European travel yeah. side. That's so and, exciting. And it's even just- even with these the national travel, it's been we've done a series of different things. We've done some bus tours, but we've done some you know self guided things. And you know it's we did Ireland with my my sister in law is from Ireland Ireland, and so she has family there. So we were married in June, and my brother and his wife are married in September the same year. So we've kind of always celebrate. So we we missed our 50th together. So we decided on our 51st to go back. We had been there with them once before to Ireland. So we did a 16-day tour Around the whole perimeter of the Republic of Ireland as well as Northern Ireland, and I drove it all 1,200 miles. It was, it was, it <laughs> was wonderful. It was, tour, right? it was a small, it was a small van, and we had uh, it was, it was a great trip. But we, you know what you love about it is we met her family along, members along the way, and That's so neat. so it's a little mixture, you know, yeah. of, of sightseeing but also Connecting getting, the
0: family tree a little exactly. bit.
2: exactly. And and uh, matter of fact, she's in the, she's going to be on a plane going over to celebrate her older sister's birthday and in, uh, in uh, london and uh, england and then in ireland so i my, my sister-in-law so it's my brother's not going he's not allowed it's all women
0: <laughs> so all right, yeah, all so. right. Well, where well, the cat's that? away, the mice yeah, will play, right? Yeah, yeah. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a good way. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Just and just I, I hate to say it, people. I just looked up North Dakota. There's no nothing. <laughs> stars. If you like stars. No, and no. the mountains. The mountains yeah. are there. So oh, we can, yeah. Mountains. You'll love that. Yeah. You'll love all that. That'd be great stuff.
1: Well, you have a house by the beach, and I think there's nothing, yeah, bad, we're, nothing we're, better we're, than the ocean. We
2: love it. You know, when we, uh, we take the Margate Bridge, uh, they call it Down Beach uh, Express now, but it's the Margate Bridge to us. The minute you get on that causeway and you smell that air, it's just, you know, you're home.
0: You obviously going here and having history with us, you're very connected with the, the alumni office.
1: He was the 2022 Lifetime Service Award wow. recipient, wow. so he just received that honor last year. Yes, and uh, he's what a sharing. shocking
2: day that was! Oh my what? that was a
1: beautiful day. That was yeah. when President Hushman came in. What was kind of neat is they know they really know each other, President Hushman and Dr. Contini. So, President Hushman was able to speak to their relationship, which was such a nice um aspect. That was wonderful, of the event. I
2: was very appreciative.
1: Yeah, so that was beautiful, and then. Pete served on our Golden Profs committee for I guess uh, that was pre-COVID that we yeah, started was, to yeah. get together and yeah. talk about. And we had
2: to call a timeout because oh, yeah.
1: of... silly COVID yeah. just messes everything up. I
2: was worried we were going to lose our little uh, little lapel pins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: One yeah. of the big things they wanted my Golden Profs was you know some sort of pin to yeah. you know designate themselves. And I it's crazy because we did all this planning to reimagine the yeah, weekend we and um, we ordered the pins and during COVID I had to change the shipping address to my yeah. house because I. I couldn't get them delivered here wow. because there was no a yeah, here there, to get you know, them. To take them, that's right. So, yes, we still have the pins. Yeah. But uh, Pete and the, and the Golden Profs group has been very influential in making sure that we honor our graduates oh. of 50 or more years ago. So, always so grateful for that. Well,
2: I had missed the meeting, and uh, Jess called and said, can I talk to you about something? And I said, sure. So, I thought she was going to fill me in on the last meeting. And in the course of the conversation, he said, that's not the reason I called you. I wanted to call you to tell you that you've been, a, been a, uh, selected to receive the, the receiving of the award. And I, I have to tell you, I was I was overwhelmed. That wasn't anything I ever anticipated. He was quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was speechless. He was. I'm very fortunate to say I've also, back in, I guess it was 1982, yes. I got the Distinguished Dilemma Award. Mm-hmm. At back those days, we did it at halftime of the football game, the homecoming game. Yeah. So it was, but, it, you know, it. It, it's a, a relationship that you build. And, and I guess for me, the relationship is pride. I'm proud of this institution. I'm proud of the people I worked with here. I'm proud of what they did for me. And uh, one way to show pride is to work back and to give back if he can you know, particularly your, your own involvement. We, we have a little group. I told, I've told Jess, we have a group and unfortunately the group is getting smaller. Mm. We call ourselves the borough boys. These are guys that we, you know, many of us were in the same class, but maybe the year before, year after, but we all got involved in education in lots of different ways. And when I say guys, I mean, gals too. We were, you know, but it's, it's interesting how those paths have crossed so many different ways and, uh, and all of it happened. You know, on, on this uh, the site, you know, whether it's the the campus school and the, a and the mixer or the baseball field when we were winning national championships. See, when I played basketball the first year, we played on Hill, uh, on the stage in Toe Hill, the auditorium. That's that was the basketball court, and you if you sat on either side, you sat on the wings. You couldn't see the other end of the basket. You know, the the other basket, the other end. And when they opened up Esby, that was like wow. You know, and, and a swimming pool. You know, all that all that excitement around that. It was, it was
0: amazing. I'm, I'm just curious in your many years of education, uh, obviously from none only your time as a student and then kind of shifting into this presidential role over the, that's the I'm kind of going to college. What's the trends that you've seen from students? Like you've seen all different eras yeah. and generations yeah. come through. Like what are the differences that you're seeing in the student populations as they,
2: well, you know, obviously society's changed. I mean, in so many ways, uh, things that were long overdue, And at the same time, things that have broken down different types of values. So you've got a balance of this thing. Jess brought something up the other day, which is very interesting. The struggle we have sometimes now with people having the pride in the class of I'm the class of '66. I talk about it that way, uh, but some people don't know what class they graduated from, mm-hmm. and, uh, we, and are, they, we were kind of yeah. talking about that
1: a little bit yeah. at lunch. But yeah, sometimes yeah. people are like, "I think I graduated yeah. this yeah. year. I think it was that year. I walked this year. Yeah. I'm not sure." And
2: you know, online education has just changed everything. Yeah, most, nice. You know, and uh, and that's you know, it's opened up opportunities greater, and hopefully, you always worry about. Qualitatively, is it working? Is you know, who are those students? Are they really the ones taking the test? Uh, you know, all this AI stuff now. Who knows? You know, what's what's going to be going on. But more importantly, what opportunities are they building? And one of the hardest things I had when I went to Salem was there It had been a transition. They had been the a technical institute, which in 72, they became a community college, and the vocational school went off on its own. And, but there were a lot of programs that were maintained at the technical, from the technical institute into the community college. And unfortunately, there were no jobs in those, you know, but the staff members were great people, and it took me about three years to wean ourselves away from programs that no longer had any viability. Because particularly when you and when you're in an area that that's the only thing that person can teach, yeah, sure, it's a little difficult. So you always have to look at that in terms of the input and also what attitudes that will bring them with, with, re, with the remaining staff and the remaining students to be served, and and what about the students who started under one expectation. And they still haven't graduated. And how do you, you know, how do you bridge that gap? So those are the, you know, the real, yeah. the reality of dealing with people where they are and where they want to go. But uh, back to your point, I, you know, I, I think education is a solution. The problem is, is that there are many avenues to travel. And I don't know if you ever hear this guy Mike Rowe. I hear him on TV sometimes talking about uh, the need for plumbers, for welders, and and the point is, is that uh, you you know, still uh, need people. To yes. And, yeah. and have we oversold uh, the issue that a two and four year degree is the only way you can be successful? But w- do we want to uh, make sure that there's still the window of opportunity? Uh, and when you hear people talk about, you know, I was fortunate our kids went to college and we were fortunate enough to be able to do that, but uh, fi- financially, but there is never, you know, there is no reason if you truly want to go to, the, to a college. Either through a community college, state school, whatever, yep. there are opportunities. You don't have to spend eighty thousand dollars a year. And what are you going to do after you get it? And more or are you importantly, make when,
1: eighty thousand dollars. Well,
2: that's and it, and, like, and, right? And, and, and what liabilities are you going to have as as far as debt and so forth that maybe you'll never be able to
0: do? Because it's time. an investment. I think a lot yeah. of students and a lot of parents have to look at it like that, rather than just yeah. it's going for the name. Yes, you can go for the name, but is the degree and the Career that you're going to mm-hmm. you know, come away with kind yeah. of be worthwhile.
1: My yeah. dad always says a college degree is something somebody can ever take from you, yeah. so it's something that you're always kind of armed with. And, so, and are somewhat.
2: you are you prepared to use it too? And mm-hmm. and, uh, and are you comfortable in using it? That's the other, you know the more, more importantly. To, to where you think you want to go next.
1: Well, Dr. Contini, we are always so grateful to have the opportunity to talk to you. And thank you for all of your service to education, to the university. Yeah. And and I think what I love the most is you're a family guy. Well, so to your your wife and your kids and your grandkids, yeah. so lucky yeah. to have you. And we were so grateful to have them all yeah. back for the Lifetime Service Award presentation last year. So anytime they want to come back to campus, we are yeah. we are here to... Help show them the way. Hope maybe we'll have a grandkid of yours. Well, thank you so much, Pete. Much
0: pleasure. I'm enjoyed. Thank you very much. How great was he?
1: I love Pete.
0: He yeah. almost got you he almost got you crying. Well he you was almost,
1: tearing up at I know, one point. But he, he almost, I can't handle to see a grandfather <laughs> cry. That's just not right. I just I love him. I did.
0: I love all the stories, but as you kind of teased in the very beginning, I like how he knew all of the presidents and, and, and all the folks on the buildings here.
1: I know. That's pretty impressive. Because it's like a great it's, legacy. Like, we
0: yes. all know them as just buildings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually met the people.
1: And it speaks to his involvement, his continued involvement with the university since he's been here as a student at Glassboro State, a married student. That blows my mind. It does. Well, it was so great to have Dr. Cantini on today. We love hearing the stories of our golden profs, and we will catch you next time.
0: You've been listening to Beyond the Brown and Gold on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You can find more episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms by searching for Beyond the Brown and Gold or Rowan Radio On Demand.